Hi folks, I'm Meryl Fernando. Welcome to the Azure AD podcast, where we talk about all things Microsoft Entra, including Azure AD. This podcast is a recording of the weekly Twitter space hosted by Mark, Jeff, Bailey, and myself. The weekly Twitter space is an open forum for anyone to join in and ask questions from the Microsoft Identity Product team. In today's show, Rob DeJong and Daniel Birmingham join us to discuss Azure AD Connect including the impending deadline to upgrade from AD Connect V1 to V2. So, on to the show. All right. All right, we'll get, we'll get started here. Um, we're waiting for Rob to join, but uh, thanks everybody for a reminder that this is being recorded. And uh, this is the Twitter spaces here on upgrading from Azure AD Connect V1 to V2 or Azure AD uh, Cloud Sync. So, um, if anybody has any questions, you feel free to request the mic in the lower left and ask your questions. We have a couple of questions. We'll talk to uh, Daniel and Rob here as soon as uh, Rob gets joined. Um, but uh, if anyone wants to show, um, maybe we could try this here. Uh, if anyone wants to show uh, using the emoticons there, uh, who still needs to upgrade to uh, off of V1 to something you want to use, like, uh, I don't know, what do you think would be a good emoticon here, like the, the hand raise? Who still needs to upgrade? Or is everybody already at V2? I'm definitely at V2, so... I just figured I'd try it to see if it was still going, if we were the only ones who were able to do it or not. Hey, Rob, can you hear us? He's still not a speaker. All right. Try now, Rob. I can hear you guys. All right. All right, we're alive. Thanks for jumping on. All right. So while we're uh, waiting for people to ask questions, uh, Rob, what is going to happen at the end of this month with Azure AD Connect V1? Uh, what's happening? So what, what's happening there is that AD Connect V1 will be retired. So that's a bit of a formal term that we use, which means um, we don't want you to use it anymore. We will remain way that you need. You need to upgrade to a newer version V2. Uh, it may unexpectedly actually stop working. So there's good reasons why you should actually upgrade up to V2 before the end of this month. Okay, so it's not going to just stop working on September 1st, but you would be out of support and you may it may break. You know, it, 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 it may break, yes. I mean, and these are things that are not under our control. So uh, V1 uh, relies on uh, internal services, Microsoft services, that we, our team doesn't own. Um, and we've been asked to make sure that we have newer versions because they will stop those older services at some point. Um, we obviously uh, want to... Um, prevent customers from getting into trouble there, but as I mentioned, we cannot completely control these things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also it's like, um, if you um, if you are uh, using an older, older version and you run into some sort of issues, um, uns I, I don't like the term unsupported. We always support you. We're Microsoft. We always right. support our customers, well, it's, right? It's so, effort support, right? We do our best to try to help you. Exactly, but, uh, we will always yeah. do our best out there. And, but, but it may mean, for instance, that we have no better solution than uh, you need to upgrade to AD Connect V2 first. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that may not be something that you have planned or that you can immediately do, which means it could disrupt your service. And that's, that's my, my warning, basically. Like, hey, make sure you're upgraded uh, before we get into trouble with you. That's basically your story. Okay. Um, all right, so if I'm a customer right now, I just joined this, and I'm still on V1. Um, mm. Either Rob or, or Daniel, if you want to take this one, uh, what are the things I should do to go move, like, in the next 30 days here to, to V2? Is there any best practices? What's been successful? Oh, Daniel, you want to go? Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Uh, I think it's just really uh, following what what we've already been saying for a long time, there's really not a significant difference in the migration path. 
between V1 and V2 or V1 and a newer version of V1. So all the things, the, the safe deployment practices, such as making sure that you're testing in non-prod, making sure that you have your staging servers, that you're um, using the import-export uh, configuration feature, um, and just checking it out and, and making sure that you're not missing anything. Uh, so things like the config documenter, looking at pending exports, those type of things, uh, you know, are still things that you need to do moving to the new version. I'd say we've pretty good success, you know, across our customers from small customers to large customers, complex customers kind of moving to V2. Uh, so I haven't seen, you know, any of those big gotchas um, as long as they're you know, following those best practices that we have documented. All right. Um, so do you want to talk about the, the config documenter? I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with, with that or the, that whole thing. Sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a tool that's out on GitHub. Um, it was built out by an individual in the field, I believe. Um, and it, it allows you to config from different versions and compare them. So it's really good. Uh, in doing an upgrade from one version to another, maybe comparing the configuration uh, between an active and a staging server. Um, it can be a lot to get through because uh, it does list out all the different attribute mappings and everything. Um, but for the most part, kind of looking at what configuration options are, like the state of them, such as that group right back enabled, um, you know, hybrid, uh, going through and, and doing using the config documenter kind of makes it a little bit easier than going through and crawl the GUIs and running all the commands to, to figure that out yourself. So just some, some background on this, uh, that config documenter is actually one of the first uh, collaborative projects I did with in the, when I was in the field. So I worked with it in the last year, it was David at the time, and we, we were using this internally to... Um, you know, see the moving the config from Azure AD, doing upgrades, and we thought this would be a great open source tool. So that's we published it there. So I, I was very excited to see that it's still being used today. And it's, if you if you haven't used it before, it's a great way to understand what your config is and to help in that migration. Yeah, and I recommend it for for all the customers that I work closely with um, that are going through any type of deployment. So appreciate all the work done because it really is a, a really beneficial tool. And if you have any issues with it now, you know who to blame, which was Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, know. you could have just never said anything, and no one would have known, but now we all know. So that's super helpful. They did a great job on it. Definitely. And I know that it's a little bit new, but in this lower right-hand corner now, we have this chat, which I believe this is the first spaces that we've done that's had this, instead of us putting links up at the top. So exciting that Twitter is constantly making updates to this. But just to go back over to the chat where some people have been messaging us. So first of all, congratulations, Marie, on doing your migration to V2. That's fantastic. Um, and then Andres had a question for the folks on the line today. So he mentioned that he already did several uh, V1 to V2 upgrades. But he has a question about if anything special needs to be taken into account if ADFS is being, if ADFS is being managed by V1. Uh, no, no there's, there's no impact on ADFS whatsoever. No, it's the the code between uh, V and V two for ADFS management has not changed. Now the 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 the, the most significant changes that we did between V one and V two is that we uh, we moved to a new database engine. V um, one was based on SQL Server twenty twelve, and we're now on SQL Server twenty nineteen. The reason that we needed to deprecate the older version is because SQL Server 2012 is no longer supported. So there was a main driver here. But we also made a couple of other changes. Like, for instance, we moved from uh, ADOL, which is the older authentication agent uh, in Azure. We moved to MSOL, uh, which which is um, secure, faster, and, and blah, blah. Uh, so yeah, that, that that's an important part, and we made a couple of similar changes uh, to to basically the infrastructure. Um, so th those are the most significant changes between V1 and V2. And but for the uh, the ADFS part, no, we didn't make any change. Awesome. Um, is there any other features in V2? I thought there was like uh, some perf improvements, and then like a larger group sync. Well, that, that's but that's that's 
I uh, I immediately agree that it's super confusing. But um, Arch, we have, we have a v, yep. v, we have a V2 client and a V2 endpoint. And but you get that V2 endpoint though, right? Yeah, the V2 endpoint actually. Yeah. Uh, the, the V2 endpoint has like uh, perf improvements and uh, scale improvements, so you can now sync up to a group with up to 250,000 uh, members using the V2 endpoint. But the V2 endpoint was actually also available in 1.6 already. Um, so in uh, you had the option of using V1 or V2 endpoint in uh, the latest V1 versions. Um, in the V2 client version, everything is V2 only, V2 endpoint only. Will Azure AD auto-upgrade? Um, that's a good question. We're actually in the middle of doing auto-upgrade for all eligible customers um, who have enabled auto-upgrade from uh, their V1 versions to the latest V2, which is now 2.1.16, which released actually yesterday. A um, couple of caveats there. First of all, uh, obviously, customers need AAD Connect Auto Upgrade enabled. If you disable that, it's on by default, but some customers disable it, and then obviously it will not auto upgrade. Um, also, um, you need to be eligible for auto upgrade. There are some reasons why you, we cannot upgrade you. For instance, if you have uh, like super complex custom rules, then we cannot auto upgrade you because we are not 100% sure that we can do that safely. We can also not upgrade servers that have external SQL servers because there is authentication um, issues that you need to solve manually uh, when you when you deploy a new version of AD Connect. And there are a couple of other reasons why we cannot auto upgrade. Um, there's one super correct, which is that V2 requires SQL Server 2016 or newer. Um, this is again because of the SQL dependency. SQL Server 2019 does not run on uh, Windows Server 2012 or 2012 R2. And so if you're on an older version of Windows Server, we cannot auto-upgrade you either. And you need to, um, you need to uh, upgrade to Windows Server 2016 or newer first. I believe uh, 2012 and 2012 R2 officially go out of support Next October, I think. Uh, I think so, yes, yes. But since SQL Server does support it, um, right. AD Connect cannot support it anymore. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, so, Rob, just to, uh, I think some of my customers may be a little far back um, in their AD Connect V1 uh, version. I think they follow the practice of uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And it just kind of like runs in mm -hmm. the background there. Yeah. Um, is there is there a way I can tell like how far back I am on the versioning, and does it matter if I'm like really far, like if I'm mm -hmm. twenty months out, can I go to V two or do I have to do like a jumping more current and then go to V two? So, um, great questions. First of all, how can you find which AD Connect version you're actually on? Well, you That's a great question. Yeah, go to your server. Uh, go yeah. to the AD Connect server and uh, look at the install programs. If you look at programs and services there, then um, you will see the AD Connect version. That's the quickest way to find out. Um, alternatively, you can also run the AD Connect wizard and it will also tell you which version it is on. But um, the, pro the programs folder in your, uh, in your Windows Start button is probably the easiest way to find the version. Now, if you're on a really old version, let's say 1.1.3, which is, I think, like seven years old. First of all, if you want to know how old your version is, uh, you can look that up in the uh, version history. So we have on Microsoft uh, uh, Docs, we have a document which contains all versions that we ever released with the release date and all the changes. It's a complete uh, version history of all AD Connect. So you can find your version there, and then you can see how old it is. You can also see what has changed since then. So what sort of uh, important security issues you have exposed yourself uh, for because you didn't upgrade in time. Um, this is just to, to make people scared. Um, then, well, and and uh, just, to, just to really quick quickly add, we actually have two articles 
So we have um, kind of the up-to-date article about version history. And then we have the archive. It's a couple articles, a couple links below that one um, in the documentation. So if you don't see it, if you don't see your specific version in the first doc, it most likely is going to be in that second doc. So keep yep. looking. And just a reminder, we are sharing links we talk about in the thread of the show. So they should appear. So if you're listening to this later, uh, you'll find them there as well. So awesome. I just wanted to mention that. Thank you. Now That's a new feature. So we're learning as we go here. This is cool. So now another question like that is from any version. Well, um, I think I have two answers for you. First of all, yes, we test upgrades from any version, any old version, to uh, to the late, latest one. We we've tested that for all versions that ever came out. Um, so one of the things that is going to change when the old versions retire is that we are no go longer going to test that. So we will only test recent uh, upgrades. Um, but right now, you could upgrade from any older version to the latest one. And technically, it should work. But there's a but. And the but is that uh, if you have like a really complex old environment on a, a, let's say, a server version, which is more than five years old, I would not actually uh, do a, a an in-place upgrade. I would always do a swing upgrade just to make sure that you can compare the outcome and see how things have changed because things will have changed and if you're still happy with the with the result so yes you can always upgrade technically it should not be a problem um, but your configuration may um, upgrade unexpectedly and so you need to verify that uh, Daniel do you have anything to add to that uh, yeah, so if you are coming from a really old version, you're going to see a lot of changes, right? The further back your version, the more changes we've made, the more things that you're going to have to reconcile. You're going to see a lot of changes if you're going back from, um, I think it's before 1432. Uh, you might see a lot of device objects be deleted, and it's completely expected. Um, however, you might not anticipate it. So one of the things usually when doing an upgrade you want to do is looking at pending exports, right? It'll help you if you see a bunch of deletions or additions, maybe the OU scoping is wrong. Um, you know, those are good indications of that. And so when you when you go through an upgrade, you know, from so far back, um, we might have uh, found a way to make everything more performant or um, more optimal by not syncing certain types of objects. And that's exactly what we did with with some of the devices. So just be uh, cognizant of that um, and, and understand that um, some of that stuff is expected. Uh, you might also have made modifications to the default sync rules, something that we supported early on that we no longer s support. Uh, nowadays, you go in, you clone the, the default rule to a custom rule, and you modify, it, uh, modify that custom rule, disabling the original. In the past, you could actually make uh, default, uh, sorry, modifications to defaults. And so you'll see those uh, popping, popping up in you look at the SQL editor. Um, so those, you just need to make them custom rules. They'll be in addition to the default rules that are deployed with the, the newest version, um, but they'll kind of look a little bit out of place. So those are things that you'll need to, to take into consideration. And then I think the last thing is that support for large groups so we, you know, when moving to the new V2 endpoint, you will see some performance gains, most likely see some performance gains. But with that, we're also supporting larger groups, which might take more time to, um, to actually process. So um, it's a possibility that that performance gain is negated by the addition of processing new larger groups. So just kind of be aware of those as well. So I wanted to um, circle back to something that one of you mentioned. You used the term swing migration, and people may not be familiar what that really is. So does anyone want to describe what a swing migration is in an AD Connect context? Um, I actually think Daniel uh, has done a lot of swing <laughs> yeah, Sure, sure, itself, sure. Right? I can, I can so definitely. You can do that, right? And it's my, and it's my favorite. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, prior to, to my stint here at Microsoft, I worked as a customer 
um, in worked in film and then, you know, Dursey, Inc., all that good stuff. And, um, you know, it, it was always problematic, especially in film uh, early days to actually set up a secondary, you know, backup server or servers in a different environment. And so once the whole swing migration concept came up, uh, I think I was really excited. And so I almost always recommend it but essentially it's just um setting up at that new staging server so set up a new server export the config from your production your your active server uh you know import it into to the installation process uh, for that new server go through the process like i said use the config documenter compare the configs between the active server and this new server uh, go through the process of um, setting it into staging mode and do, then doing a couple syncs. So you'll do a full sync and some delta syncs. And then go through and look at the pending exports. Uh, so you can look at that through the synchronization manager, uh, or you can use the CS export uh, analyzer. Um, either one of those, and, and they should be documented in our documentation, but I'll give you an idea of what the, what the expected output's going to be. You know, what, what impact is it going to have? It's going to add a bunch of, um, you know, new attribute values or just new attributes. Uh, is it going to delete a bunch of, of um, objects? You know, what, what's, gonna, what's expected to do if you were to turn it on and start to export to Active Directory or Azure Active Directory? So once you get to that point where you're feeling confident that everything is going to go as expected, then you essentially disable or put your active server into staging mode and take your staging mode server and make it active. And then it's going to go through that process of exporting any pending exports uh, to the, the various external data sources. And so it also provides for that quick kind of disaster recovery where if something doesn't go as expected for one reason or another, um, you can then put it back into the uh, staging mode and put it to your what was your old active server. You can bring it back into being active, go through the sync cycles. It should get it back to where it was before. So that's kind of the, the gist of, of swing migrations. I've seen customers that have, you know, four different servers and active with three staging kind of depends on your, how risk averse you are. Um, you know, especially with a, a really large jump in versioning, it might be good to, have your, your old version active and staging, having setting up two new staging servers with the new version, and then kind of migrating that over. At that point, you'll always have a backup, no matter which version. And then once you've kind of tested out and tried and true that new version, let it run for a while, uh, then you can start that deprecation process of those old servers. Maybe turn one of the two into another staging server, uh, offsite staging server or something. Uh, seems to be pretty successful. So when doing swing migrations, right, we have a sort an active and a staging server, and we're going to swing them over. Are there things that customers should be aware of beyond just the regular sync uh, when doing that? Um, the biggest one is probably the password. So when uh, server is in staging. Uh, even though it might be configured for password hashing, it's not actually synchronizing the hashes. When you switch it over to being an active server, it doesn't know where it left off. It doesn't know what hashes have actually been synced. So it's going to go through that password hash sync, like full sync process. And if you have a very large environment, that might take a while. That may impact uh, some of the password write back, password changes being synced back up. So that's the biggest one that I can, I can think of. Yeah, that's the one that I, I've seen most is when they're doing that. Um, the pattern may have changed. Um, On-prem will have to wait in that queue until they get up to the cloud. But usually if you're planning that, it's in off hours, so it's not that big of an impact. I want to remind folks as well that even though we have the chat going, you can request the microphone on the bottom of your screen. So if you do have a question and you want to speak to one of our guests here today, you're more than welcome to do that. We'll preview and send you up. But also now that we have this chat feature, feel free to do that as well if it's more accessible to you. Um, I do want to call out that Nick has a question about whether the same sync account is used in a swing upgrade or if a new one is created. And he's specifically wondering about MFA exceptions with that. 
Uh, which sync? Are you're talking about the Azure AD sync account, I'm assuming, uh, since you mentioned MFA. So it, it will it will be a new it will be a new um, server. I'm sorry, service account. So you will have to add it to your exceptions. If it's the Active Directory service account, you can use the same one. Hopefully that answered it correctly. Gotcha. If it didn't, feel free to comment or request the mic and we can continue that way for folks to continue asking their questions. Looks like he just requested the mic, so clarify something. Go ahead, Oh, Nick. perfect. Here you go. Hey, yeah, sorry. I didn't know we could uh, do live questions. Thank you for uh, mentioning that just now. So, yeah, that, that was it, the, the Azure AD account. Um, so, easy enough. I'm a lagger. I haven't done it yet, so... Got to get it done. Going for on vacation in a couple so of weeks. You're the one. <laughs> you're the one that hasn't done it. Everyone else has done it. Well, I was going to do it last week. Then oh. I, you guys set up this um, meeting. So I was like, oh, I'll wait. See if there's any gotchas to learn. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not a bad approach. Learn it before you uh, you, you hit it. So uh, one thing. So when we talk about excluding MFA, um, how are customers doing into the C policy and designating the sync account? Are they ability to exclude roles like the on-premises sync role? I think it is from the CA. I'm curious how customers are doing that today. How, how I did it, I, I exempted the, the account itself. I didn't do the role, but um, it was in the early days. I'm kind of figuring out the Azure AD stuff. So it was like, oh, crap, it broke. How do I fix this right away? So um, <laughs> yeah, that may be definitely a better way to do it now. Um, but. Yeah, the, uh, most of the customers that I've worked with uh, do this. They're excluded directly or they add it to an exclusion group. Yeah, I've since moved my MFA exemptions to groups, but um, that one is directly in there. I didn't want to mess around with it, so I'll do it alone, but uh, I'll move it now. All right, so another uh, thing that we've kind of talked about with some of our customers is if I'm moving, for, so for Robert Daniel here, so um, if I'm on V1, how do I know if I can move to CloudSync and just not go to, just move to new? I guess, do you want to explain what CloudSync is? I, I can explain what CloudSync is, yes. So uh, CloudSync is our next iteration of AD Connect. So, which basically means that instead of uh, you deploying a server on-prem uh, with with um, um, with all of the data there. Um, you just deploy a lightweight agent, and we'll do all of the heavy lifting in the cloud. Um, and the lightweight agent can uh, basically turn on-premise AD, and uh, and it will just communicate uh, with our cloud backend where all the all the real work is being done. So. Uh, CloudSync is being built on. We started building CloudSync, I think, like four years ago. Knew that we had like a, a ginormous task uh, ahead of us because uh, AD Connect, obviously, it's been there for in various different forms for almost twenty-three years, I think now. Um, so there's there's like ages of coding going in there, and it's not something that you. Um, that you very quickly can migrate to a complete new cloud environment. We're working on that. Um, we haven't completed that, that, that work yet. Let's be very clear about that. Um, we have currently have the most basic function, syncing users in groups. Um, you can do that. Um, we're, we've added stuff like syncing passwords. We are very close supporting uh, a couple of uh, more features like, for instance, Exchange Hybrid, uh, which for which we are starting public preview, I think next week or the week after. Um, Self-service password reset. We are going into GA next month, so those are things that we're working on. Um, there's a, a bunch of other features that we haven't completed yet. Uh, all documented online. Um, now the good news is that the majority of our customers that uh, deploy AD Connect today could actually also use CloudSync. Uh, I actually just uh, looked at the usage patterns of that have recently deployed AD Connect, like let's say in the past 30 days. 80% um, of them could use CloudSync instead. Um, it's, it's up to us to actually make this more clear. Um, but there are obviously cases where, where you cannot use CloudSync yet. So, um, 
And then, like, for instance, if you need device sync, we don't do device sync yet. If you uh, want to exclude certain OUs in your configuration, we cannot do that yet. Uh, if you want to filter on attribute values, same thing. We cannot do that yet. These are all things that we're working on. Um, we'll get there. It'll take quarters and probably also years before we have uh, finished our, our complete migration here. So that's that's the story right now. Um, if you can use CloudSync, go to, go to the CloudSync website and see what features we support right now. And if you're in doubt, just reach out to us. Let me know. I can I can I can quickly review your environment to tell you if you have the cloud sync today. And I was just adding uh, the guide on how to pilot cloud sync uh, along with Azure AD Connect. I added a chat link there. So if you're looking um, to do that, it's a, it's a great step by step or guidance on that scenario. It's really interesting. I didn't realize it was that large. I mean, I think because uh, you know. Jeff Bailey, Merrill, and Daniel and I, we, we work with a lot of very large and complex customers. And we know there's still quite the, quite the gap there, depending on some of the stuff you yeah. talked about, Rob. But that's really awesome that like, you know, 80% could move to CloudSync. Um, Murray, you requested the mic. And I know in the chat you had said that you have successfully upgraded to, to V2. Um, so do you want to unmute and ask your question, or do you have a comment? Um, yeah. So the way that I got to uh, V2 was... Um, apparently against the rules. Uh, I missed the note saying that I shouldn't do the upgrade in place on a server 2016. Uh, so then quickly did a swing migration to server 2022 and built from there. Seems to be fine. Uh, but I do have some uh, follow-up um, you know, and clean-up questions, really. Um, so the first thing, uh, I guess, is... Yeah, once once we go through the ra rather scary process of uh, deleting the server from the Azure AD Connect Health <laughs> uh, Blade, um, it's the the MSOL account AD account that was created for the sync that can then just be uh, removed because the new server has its own account, right? So that's that's all fine, um, and I guess just uh, if there's time, some clarification on, you know, what I did wrong uh, in terms of the documentation. You know, it says to, uh, it's recommended if going from V1 to V2 that you do a swing migration, but it also suggests that with a swing migration, it's better to have the same version on both servers to match configurations. So that's kind of where I ended up in my situation. Okay, do, yeah. you, do, you, have, do you have a specific question about this? Uh, I guess just uh, in terms of the, the cleanup process, um, that AD account from the old, now mm -hmm. removed V1 server, um, there's no issue with just deleting that. And I yeah. guess uh, clarification, if any, um, on the, the correct approach for a swing migration when moving across versions, considering the docs currently suggest that you should do a swing migration, but it also should be the same version, which would imply V1 on both servers before doing the upgrade. Hmm. I need I need to review that documentation because that sounds odd. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole reason for doing a swing migration is that you get to another version, right? So they can't be the same versions. Yeah, in, yeah. in prior to, to V2, the whole V2 um, does add kind of uh, some complexity to it. Prior to that... Um, I would a lot of times recommend a customer, especially if they're jumping a lot of versions, to go that route. So if I'm on one dot, you know, five forty-five um, on the active server, I would probably first recommend they install that on the new server, do that comparison, make sure everything looks good, and then do that upgrade on that staging server, and then cut over. It just helps with the validation process. Because one of the hard things I think we all know is when you're making so many changes and something doesn't go right, pinpointing what exact change it was. Was it due to a misconfiguration? Is it due to an sync rule or a different behavior? Those can be very difficult. In the V1 to V2, I think it, it's, a, it's a little bloody because you don't necessarily want to do that um, in place upgrade, but in general, I think those um, that recommendation kind of still holds some value. 
and that's one of the, the, the don'ts that I have kind of as a recommendation. Don't try to do too many things at once. Um, you know, working with some of the customers who kind of went from an old version they didn't want to touch. They had a bunch of things they wanted to get done, but they never wanted to touch it. Um, doing all those changes plus an upgrade all at the same time can lead to a lot of, a lot of confusion and uh, you know, a lot of additional complexities with troubleshooting. So I'll usually suggest, okay, go through and test, you know, maybe a few changes separate from the version upgrade. Try to keep that version upgrade, um, you know, as you know, restricted to just that change as possible. There might be things that you need to do, like changing to a GMSA if you're going that route because you can't do that after the fact. But don't go in there and start updating a bunch of sync rules and changing a bunch of configuration while you're also doing the upgrade. Make that maybe the next weekend or a month later or something like that. Get that version up to date. Make sure that it's working as expected. And then go in and start making those uh, additional changes. I think it just makes it that much easier that if something does go wrong, you know exactly what that problem was and you're not starting from scratch again. So you you mentioned uh, GMSA and uh, for those who may not know, that's Root Managed Service Account and that's how you can run those uh, services on the AAV Connect server, right? So instead of just having a, a click use account, you have that there. But it does bring up the question, um, having a server that I need to to manage and and uh, you know maintain. Are there any sort of security recommendations that we typically make with AV Connect servers, and why are they important? Yeah, there's actually there's a list of recommendations that we also documented online. If you search for uh, hardening your AD Connect server, you will find those. Um, most of those are more generic uh, for Tier 0, what we call Tier 0 infrastructure components. Um, there, so, for instance, um, make sure that there are only domain admins that have access to those servers. Uh, remove remote access if possible. Um, there's a couple of other recommendations like that. Uh, if you follow those, then your AD Connect server will be okay, in its safest possible form. And we know that there are vulnerabilities that... Um, could occur when you do not follow these guidelines. So um, and um, so we, we urge everyone to actually like re read those guidelines and implement them. Make sure that your AD Connect server is safe. It does have like really critical, important uh, information on it. It has credentials that can do a lot of damage, uh, both to your on-prem AD as, as well as to your cloud environment. So it is. It is essential that you keep that server like super safe. That's the most important thing. I yeah, think I that's one of the. Oh, God, sorry, yeah. I think it's one of the benefits I see of going to cloud sync, right? Having that agent-based, smaller footprint than dedicated servers. That, that's something I see as a as a benefit there. Yeah, it's 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 an important benefit. That uh, maybe the most important part is that um, in AD Connect, all of your configuration is kept on-prem which means that if someone gets access to that server, they can change the configuration. In CloudSync, there is no configuration on-prem. All the uh, co configuration items are stored and managed in the cloud. So even if you lose a server on-prem where an agent runs, an attacker couldn't do anything there because they can't touch your cloud environment. Yeah, when it comes yeah. to the Azure AD Connect, I always tell customers, just treat it the same way you would treat a domain controller because it has yes. the same types yes. of permission. Like it's, it's the, all those rules apply. And you know, if, if someone gets a hold of your domain controller, you're going to have a real bad day. And if someone gets hold of your Azure Connect box, you're also going to have a real bad day. Go ahead, Daniel. I was just going to say, same goes with CloudSync. Um, you, you are proxying information through it. So um, if you have system level access, you could probably do some damage there as well. So just treat, be it CloudSync or Azure AD Connect, uh, treat them as that tier zero. There are two two um, security recommendations, I believe, that came out because the, the hardening your Azure AD connects or we've been preaching that for a very long time. Um, but I think, too, and Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we um, recommend restricting NTT on, 
on the Azure AD Connect server. I think that's one of them that came up recently as a, a new recommendation. And I think the other one was blocking soft match unless you need it or blocking it until the time you do need it. So those are two things that if you haven't touched it in a long time, uh, you do want to look at that kind of harden your Azure AD Connect server guidance um, in, and make sure that you're taking those into consideration. So just another question for, I think, for, for Rob and Daniel here. Um, so I have some customers that have actually moved to V2, and I think Rob's statement about how, how many people can actually move to CloudSync, is it supported to run Azure AD Connect V2 and CloudSync at the same time? Like, is there any architecture things I need to worry about? Or is there, how do I move from V2 to, to CloudSync, if I can do that? Yeah, there are. That's an excellent question. Yeah, there, there's, so it's, it's supported to run AD Connect and CloudSync site. Um, and you can do that from, let's say, disconnected forest. So, for instance, I have one forest which runs AD Connect. I could have another forest where I deploy CloudSync. You could sync both of them to the same tenant. That's fully supported, and there's actually not not a lot of specific things that you need to think about. It becomes more complex if you want to use Cloud Sync and AAD Connect on the same uh, domain or on the same forest, because then you need to need to think about things like sync could impact. Uh, this is specifically true when you think about how are you scoping these things. There is a good article about piloting cloud, which actually describes this in, in, in a lot of detail. Um, and then, obviously, there are a couple of other um, interesting scenarios which are a, a little bit more complex. So, for instance, you could um, you could sync one... Um, one AD to multiple tenants. So you could do that using CloudSync or AD Connect or a mix of both. Uh, so that's also well documented so online. So you could find that. Um, and maybe the, the, the latest configuration that I've seen there, the latest topology, is where you have um, two different forests that have information about the same user. And you can sync them both to the same object in AED, so to the same user object in AED. Um, there are several important uh, things that you need to remember. There are caveats there. So you need to set this up really carefully. Again, this is well documented, but you need to be careful uh, what, what you're doing there. There could be like uh, unexpected results if you don't take good care. But in general, yes, uh, they can run side by side as long as you... Um, as, as long as you are careful with what you're doing, and obviously, uh, before you deploy it in production, always test. Yeah, that's really interesting. I need to talk to a few more of my customers. I think the cloud sync is a little closer to them than they maybe probably realize. So that's yeah, that's really good. Um, just a reminder: if anybody has any questions here, uh, you can request the mic in the lower left. We have about maybe a little over ten minutes left. Um, so okay, so let's kind of maybe like some like wrap some of this up a little bit. So, okay, so I, I'm on V1 today and I need to get to a supported version here by the end of the month. So my step should be, I, so first I should see if I can just move directly to CloudSync. That, that probably the, the first step, Rob? Yeah, first look okay. if you can move to the cloud. If you can move to CloudSync, that's that, that's way easier than, than any of the other steps, yeah. Okay, all right, so let's assume I can't. I'm gonna move to V2. Uh, what are some maybe some do's and don'ts we've seen from our customers? I don't know, Daniel. If this is your. I said you know you had some don'ts earlier. Um, I, sure, I bet you got a lot of don'ts. But do we have some kind of do's and don'ts that we should we should go while we're doing this? Yeah. So kind of just to reiterate, you know, make sure that you're testing in non-production. Uh, once you get through non-production. Go through that staging server setup, validate what configuration if, there. What if I only have one production? I only got one thing. Do it live? Um, so, you know, we're always going to recommend build it out. Um, yep. You know, like. And when you say, okay, so sorry, when you uh, non prod, you mean the, the swinging type or do you mean a non prod? No, no, I mean a true non production environment. I'm talking there about a non production Azure AD tenant, non production Active Directory. I know it's a lot. Um, 
to, to ask its servers, its uh, management, maintenance, and all that stuff. But it really does help. Um, there are certain configurations that are at the tenant level that yeah. cannot be truly tested um, with a, a staging server. So, you know, that, that non-production uh, will prove worthwhile in the long run um, because this is, you know, this is managing, you know, a large amount of your identities in Azure AD, which then, of course, provides access to mission-critical systems like no, you're, you're, Exchange. You are, you, are so. you are totally correct, and I think there's the old IT joke that everybody has a test environment. Some people are lucky enough to have a separate production environment. So that's yeah. That's good to go. All right, keep going. Okay. So, uh, of course, then going into that that staging, uh, make sure to use those tools that are available, the the documenter, the CSX port. Um, you know, where we see some issues, missing configuration steps, uh, you know, ultimately just trying to rationalize every change before they move forward. Sometimes that's kind of that analysis paralysis um, where they're looking at the documenter and they're trying to understand why every single default, you know, every change to a default. Um, you know, at that point, I think you just need to rely on the expected outcomes instead of trying to analyze every single sync rule because most of our upgrades through the years are going to include some sort of change to a sync rule. So trying to rationalize them and understand that before moving forward um, can kind of get you stuck, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and then for a lot of, a lot of customers is going in and understanding, and this is kind of maybe um a best practice just for in general, when you put a custom sync rule in place, document it well. Um, many, many times I talk to customers and they have no clue why they have custom sync rules in place. They don't even know if those custom sync rules are even necessary anymore, but they're so scared to touch them. So luckily having these non-pride allows you to, to, test removing them or um, test understanding what they're doing in the environment. But, you know, just making sure that if you're going through and you're creating, you know, those customizations that you're documenting for those folks that come after you, um, you know, because these products do span years and uh, as they get handed off, a lot of that knowledge goes out the door. So um, that's some of it. And then, uh, yeah, once again, don't, don't make, try to make too many changes at once. Don't go in and try to correct everything that you've wanted to do in the last five years, but you haven't done uh, all at once. Kind of take it a little bit at a time so that you can control process and you can troubleshoot uh, through any issues uh, way easier. Rob, I don't Rob, know if you have anything. Yeah, Rob, anything else, Dad? No, I think those are, those are the, uh, the important things. There. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Matt, you requested the mic. Go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, Mark. Hey, so I've got a staging server up and running. I'm getting ready to pull the trigger. And I'm curious if SSPR, is that self-service password reset? I'm curious if that sucker is going to die during the sync. Um, I felt like it did last time around, and we had like a 24-hour sync cycle last time around. And that was a long time for SSPR to be dead. Yeah. Is that normal for that to go down? No. Uh, it, well, so it, it will, I'm trying to think, I, I know in the, the versions, it, what it would do is it would go through that password hash sync, like full sync, and it would queue them up and you'd see impacts to, uh, resets. I'm trying to think if that's still the case. Um, so it makes, might be. Cause I remember seeing like 1 million, um, application log entries for passwords, um, being synced, the hashes being synced. How large yeah. is your tenant? Like how many users are we talking? Uh, it was like 1.1 million somewhere around here. There is, there's one individual that I talked to internal who has recommended, and I, 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 we need to verify if this is supported or not, um, but there is a way to kick off the password hash sync before it becomes a production server. And Ooh. I think the... But I think the caveat is you may have to make that staging server a production server and make sure it does no syncing whatsoever. 
So we'll, we'll need to get back because I, I do know in those very large cases, you can't wait 24 plus hours to get password hash sync, to get password reset back. So yeah, maybe we'll take that back and, and do a little yeah, that's bit of investigation. A yeah, I think Danny Zollner was the one that had um, brought that up. So I'll ping him. All right. Anyone else have any last minute questions or is anyone, um, if you want to use like the emoticon there that they're going to do the, they've been waiting for the, to do the V1 to V2 or to cloud sync upgrade and you're waiting for this and this hopefully helps you out. Um, you can see we're about to, to wrap it up. Any, uh, Rob or Daniel, any last, last words here? Well, I, I can only keep on repeating, please, 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 everyone make sure that you're on a connect V2 before the end of this month. I think we've said that a million times already, and we'll keep saying it a million times. The reality is that we still have a considerable number of customers that are on uh, versions and don't see them move. So, and anyone you know that runs an old version, tell them that they need to migrate to V2. All right, Daniel, anything else? Uh, no, I think I think that's it. I think just making sure that you go through and have a, a good kind of deployment process, um, sticking to it, making sure that you're testing along the way uh, goes a long way to building confidence and making sure that you don't miss something and ultimately um, have to answer to uh, the higher powers. Awesome. All right, so just a reminder, this was recorded. It should be available for about 30 days. Um, and Jeff did an excellent job of sharing a bunch of links here on this the, the thread here. Um, I don't think they went to that the nest, Jeff. I don't know how that went, but uh, we'll, we'll take a look later. But um, all, right, all right, we will wrap up. If anyone has any specific questions on this, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, and we'll, we'll do the best we can to get you sorted out. So um, with that, I will close the space. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you Thanks, all. Thanks, Robert.